Welcome to Talmud Tidbits. It's an honor to have you here. I'm your host, Ray Yosef Tropper, and my goal is to share inspiring, uplifting, and beautiful ideas as we go through Shas together of Ezra Hashem and become more proficient in the beauty and the wisdom of Chazal that will greatly enhance our Vodas Hashem and our lives. Thank you for joining me, guys. It's really an amazing thing to uh, hear feedback from everybody. Tremendous Talmud Chachamim that are listening and um, arguing with things that I'm saying or enhancing things that I'm saying. Uh, we know that uh, Rav Yochanan appreciated Rish Lakish for fighting with him. He didn't appreciate his Talmudim that agreed with him. So the Maham Shel Torah rages on um, for everybody. Uh, we are Zohar to two things. Um, one thing is that uh, there's just a plethora of Rishonim that we have um, that really enhance us and help us um, you know, learn and understand the Gemara better. And the second thing, which is a personal thing, is that, uh, and, and many of you will relate to this, since we've learned brachas many times in the past, um, yeshiva multiple times, esmedrash and kolel many other times, so it's a masechta that we're starting with an advantage of, that we already are very familiar with its concepts, and we could quickly um, learn madaf, and then we have more time to learn other things. So I want to take you through a little tour of some rishonim that enhanced my daf learning, uh, when I was stuck on things or I had questions where I looked it up or where I saw them quoted. But, of course, my caveat is one important thing, which is my disclaimer, and that is please look at it inside if, if you think it's interesting or if you disagree with me or agree with me because, obviously, as we know, Rishonim are interpreting the Gemara, and when we're reading the words of the Rishonim and Kemalachim, um, we're interpreting them as well. And so, and some of you might have read them different, differently, and, and, and my limited understanding might have uh, given me a misunderstanding of what they were saying. So I want to make sure that we understand that. I'm going to start with the Pirish of Rav Yonasan Milunil, where Zohar to have it on much of Shas. There's a beautiful uh, print put out by by um, um, by a, what is this company? Um, it's a brown saver. You could find it in multiple places and um, put out in Eretz Yisrael. I bought it when I was learning there many, many years ago. And uh, Rav Yonatan Yonatan Milunil um, was a, one of the Balitosis, and he actually is probably most famous for his correspondence with the Rambam. He wrote uh, a number of kashas to the Rambam, going through the whole Sefer. I remember he was a Talmud of the Rivid, so it's not very surprising. Um, and he wrote a uh, um, questions to the uh, Rambam. I believe it was 24 bomb questions. And the famous response of the um, Rambam, who writes back that um, I want you to know that I didn't ha- intend... Um, when I wrote this Chibor of Rambam, that I was trying to push away um, other Pirushim and other study of Gemara. That's not, that's a misunderstanding of what I was trying to do. Rather, I was trying to give the Talmidim a start, where because the Masa and Matan and Torah is so difficult, I wanted to give you a start, what to look at. And he himself says that the Rimagash, who uh, was a Talmud of the Rif, my Rebbe, my father's Rebbe, is someone that he himself wrote the Rif. Al Torah, and um, uh, on Shas, and the Rif goes through the parts, the parts of the Gemara that are relevant, and cuts out the parts that, that are not halacha And so, I did nothing wrong by doing the same thing. But I really appreciate your lahagil Torah lahadir. Um, and Rabbi Yehonatan Melunil was very respectful. He even said, "Can you please send us um, a copy of your Mor um, Devuchim uh, because we want to we want to study it and um, get it translated." And finally, uh, the Rambam himself um, did concede and write that you're correct in the criticism that I didn't include sources, and um, which the Rivad uh, wrote in, in the beginning of the Rambam as well, on his Hasagas. And he said that you're right, I should have, and I regret not doing it, and if I had more time, and I hope to in the future, I will. 
we know that we, from what we understand historically, Rambam died before he had the opportunity to do it. Rabbeinu Yonah Samuel is famous for his being a Pashtun and an Amkan at the same time. I think some people sometimes think that he's just a Pashtun because he gives very, very sweet, simple explanations um, with a couple of word comments, but like the Rishonim, he's very tierce. It's very short, his Pirish on, on Brachos, and, um, but he's really accomplishing something really, really great. Um, and oftentimes really steering the Sigit in, in very, very profound ways. Um, the Girsos are a little bit um, not clear. Many of the prints are, are, are not um, redone properly, and sometimes there's missing words and stuff, so be careful. And finally, um, a lot of the Dafus, especially on Brachos, is according to the Dafe Arif, so it's a little confusing because it says Daf Aleph when Aleph is where it starts, and then you get to other Gemaras that you could have sworn were at the end of the Masafta, and they are, but it'll say Daf Mem, and, it's, and really that's Daf, uh, you know, Samach Aleph in, in the Gemara, because it's according to the Riff, and the Riff has 45 pages, not uh, 64 like the Masafta itself. So let me go through a couple. Um, so it, it says in the Gemara and Brachas that if you're Kaveya Makam for your Tefillah, so um, the Rabbeinu Yonatan defines this as one place that you daven for Erev Avokar Ritzah Now the post do talk about, let's say you daven one place for Shachars, one place for Mincha and Marv, but there seems to be a bigger Mila for doing it all in one. Again, it doesn't mean you should change. Um, when the Rabbeinu Yonatan describes the benefit of Shnai Mikra that, that the Gemara um, talks about, so he says that what's the purpose of Shnai Mikra? That it should be Shagar Halashon HaKodesh Bepiv, that you should know uh, the Hebrew, and also, why Targum? Uh, and so that's why Hebrew twice, but why Targum? So that you will understand what you're saying, because that's a very, very important thing. All right. Um, for Tcheles, when we talk about um, the, the color of Ben Tcheles Akarsi, um, so he just mentions, and again, this is Mahogas, we've shown him exactly how many strings and metzitzes were Tcheles, so he says four of the strings were made out of Tcheles. That's his shita. Um... In the Sigil of Prakdan, which is someone that seems to be sleeping um, um, sleeping on his back or front, which the Gemara talks about. So he translates one shot. He brings down the simple shot that it means that he's uh, sleeping on his back. It's not Sneas. But he brings another shot, means that his, the, the clothing that he's, covering, that he's covered in are touching him in a way that they are stimulating him and causing a hear her. And therefore, that's, that's why he was cursed in the Gemara, because... Um, because he uh, is not being sneas. Um, in the Chassan Patzmi Kriyashma, we know there's a big one, Chalkas Rishonim, what he's worried about. It's only for if someone marries a Basula, so we understand that some of it is Dom Basulam, and he's worried about that, um, and etc. But the Rabbeinu Yonatan brings down the Shita of some Rishonim that he's worried he's going to become a Kush Shavcha. Now, um, the, the Rishonim discussed that how does the Hemshech of the Mishnah make sense? The Pshat that says that he's worried about um, and, and, and the Rambam and Pirish Mishnayis and the Tosiyantav also in the Mishnah talks about this. The Pshat that says that that he's worried that um, that what what he's going to do. So after four days, it says till Matzei Shabbos because they, they used to get married on Wednesday. So for four days, he has this p'tur because he's mivalvel in a mitzvah and also she's a basula. So he has this p'tur. So the Pshatim that say that it's because he's afraid. Um, that he's just uh, bohol in the Misa itself, and he's nervous. So they say that after four days, it's Libo Gaspa, and he calmed down. Um, but the Pshatim, that, what, what's this Krush Shavcha? What has that change? But it, actually, that's the same thing, that after four days, he, he realizes there's not as much pressure, and it's okay, he could take his time, and so the, the, the likelihood of, of Krush Shavcha are less, because he's not going to be rushing to do what he's doing. Um, okay. Okay. Um, 
when he talks about those that have to be in front of the mita, so he gives an example that there is a kanim that go with a mace for his for covet alavaya. So it's it's people that are showing their respect. The Gemara talks about um, that the gilu berada. We should we should uh, be happy and rejoice with fear. And the Gemara says that uh, that um, Rava that Abaya saw Rava. Um, laughing, and he asked him, what's going on? And he said that, um, I'm wearing tefillin. So there's three shonim. There's three pshatim. Some rishonim learn the pashtun, I believe Rashi says this, basically, is that the pshat is that I'm wearing tefillin, I'm happy that I'm doing a mitzvah. Other rishonim, like, I believe, Rabbeinu Yonah, Rush, other, that, that, uh, that, in the back of the Gemara, some Rishonim there, they say the Pshat is that he had a stomach ache, he had a, he, he was sick, he was Cholim Ayan, and he hadn't worn his tefillin in a long time because he was putter because he wasn't able to be Shomer himself, and now he was celebrating because he was able to put his tefillin. However, the Rabbeinu Yonatan says the most original Pshat that I've never seen for anyone else, this one's very fascinating, he says, um, that, his chalti laniach tefillin. I began to put on tefillin, which I believe he's saying he was bar mitzvah, which is very schwer because how could Rabbah, who was the Rebbe, all of a sudden become bar mitzvah and Abaya was learning under him? Now I understand that Rabbi Gamliel gets married in the middle of teaching his Talmidim and teaches them that he could say Shema and Yishamelechem. I get it. That's different to be single. Here, he was literally a Rebbe before he was bar mitzvah. That's very schwer. Unless he's going like those other Rishonim that, that he means to say that he was sick and now he put them on. But his hachilosi laniach tefillin. And then, but here's the punchline. How do we describe a bar mitzvah boy? And that's why I'm happy. And now it's it's my tefillin are proof that God is in charge of me, and that's the that's the happiness. Um, there's another comment, Rabbi Yonatan, that um, the shamash is mavarich on every um, kos. So what's the shot that he makes a bracha on every on everything that he drinks? Because he's not expecting to be given because the shamash always comes last because the host, if he's an Adam Chashev, he says only an Adam Chashev, he's afraid that he's going to run, the Baal is afraid he's going to run out of wine, so he's not very generous to the coasts, and he's very, very stingy when it comes to giving the uh, attendants any drinks. So therefore, the attendant always recognizes that, hey, my time's up, I'm not going to get any more. And so, But it's not an Adam Chashev, and the guy doesn't have pressure, and then the, the mitzvah, then, then the bracha that he made on the wine would count for everything else because he knows that the host doesn't really care, and I'll get, I'll get another cup, just like anyone that's helping you. Out. I think nowadays when you're helping out at a bar mitzvah, the caterer is not makbid. They might have rules that you have to serve people first, but they're not makbid. And there's a lacha that when you're helping out, you can eat as well. Um, okay. There's a Rabbeinu Yonatan that also describes um, the, the Gemara that talks about Shabara Ma'oros Ha'esh. Sorry, that one's out of order. I missed this one before. That when we say Bari Ma'oros so he brings down from Chazal that for 36 hours, Adam um, saw um, the light, because he sinned on Friday, he was created in the middle of the day, and then on Shabbos, the light was there, but our, the Aragans was in Shtamish for a whole Shabbos, so the only time after 36 hours that it started getting dark was Matzei Shabbos, and that's why Adam thought that he destroyed the world, because literally for 36 hours, there was only light. Um, okay. Um... Another thing that he brings down is that we, the Gemara says that you should make a bracha on Chomos Richo if you see them, that they were absorbed into the ground, they were swallowed. So he brings down that why were they absorbed into the ground? Why didn't they fall over? The Psukim described that they fell over. But he says because Chazal tell us that they were as thick as they stood, meaning these walls were not just this, uh, normal walls are really tall, but they're also thin. I mean, not terribly thin or they would fall, but they are thin. 
these walls that were Doc brings this down also with other Madrashim, um, that they were it was thick. So therefore, if it would have fallen over, then it just would have rolled over, and there would have been another wall there. So it had to. Therefore, the biggest case was that it got swallowed in the ground. By the way, there were Doc over there. If you if you look at the beginning of Yeshua, so he asks his Kasha that that how could Rachav Azona leave a red a Chunashani a red a red um, strand to tell the Jews that she's there and to save herself and her family if her, it says that her house was in the wall itself. So if that's the case, then when the wall got absorbed, then, then the, the simon would have been lost as well. So he gives a whole shot that really there were different parts of the wall. Um, Ayin Shem over there, but it's an interesting question that we showed him to talk about. What I love about Chazal and, and, and what I love about learning through Chazal, Chazal tell us himself is that the Torah, there's richness, you just have to find it. So in, 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 in Reiku Mikem, it's because you don't know, you're missing, you're missing information, but these things are talked about everywhere. Um, Okay, then we have, um, finally, by Re'imim, if uh, you hear uh, thunder, so you could make Kocho Rasa Malayolam, or Osemai Seracious, because it's both, it scares you as well. Um, in Rofecha Wasar Malafila Asos, we have the Ravo Nekavim Kavim. We have a famous Machlugas Ramah and Shulchan Aruch about how to, pot, how to translate it, which is based on Rashi and Tosis Ayin Sham about what the Asher Yatsar Adam Chachma. What's the Chachma? Is a Chachma going on? Hashem, you created the uh, man using your wisdom, or is it saying you created man and you gave him wisdom? So um, he brings down the famous expression that it's a plea that your that your um, that the air remains inside us even though we have so many openings. And finally, the Gemara says. That um, if someone is nifna, you could tell who someone how much derakharet someone has um, by how they use the restroom. And he says that it's someone who goes to the bathroom at night. That's what Chazal say. The same way they go at day. What does that mean? That you're tznias, even though during the day you're tznias because it's light and people could see you. But at night, nobody could see you. But nonetheless, you're tznias. That's a godless. Those are some ideas from Rabbi Yonatan Melanil. I hope that they inspired you, and I hope that you found them enlightening in your quest of learning uh, shas and. Uh, understanding the words of the Rishonim Kamalachim. Moving on, let's take a look at some of the Chidushe Haramban on Brachas, and we're going to go a little out of order, but we'll try to put it in context. Um, so the, the Ramban starts off with actually a very, very uh, big question that he always had, and it's very interesting, and he says, When I was a child, I always had this question, and I was very, very moved by just by those opening words, literally the first Chidushe Haramban, that, you know, He's writing down something that he always wondered when he was a kid. And um, he makes a couple of assumptions that are not so simple. But basically, um, he wants to know um, that there, there, there's a minute that seemed to exist that a person would say Kelmel Naaman before starting Shema. And um, this minhag, um, we are very familiar with it, Halacha Lamaisa. And of course, one should always speak to a post if you have any questions. Um, but Halacha Lamaisa, most of us. We only say it biachidus if we're saying Shema by ourselves, then we say Kel Malach um, But if we're uh, with a minion, then we don't. But um, there seemed to have been some custom where people said it no matter what. And um, the Magan Elvis and the Meiri um, brings this down. And also, um, so he said that in Sarfas in France and Ashkenaz in Germany, they did this. Rabbi Rachel Levi in Balamar says that it was an, it was a German custom. And the Ramah uh, was Mavatalit in his city. Um, and throughout all of Sfard. So, um, but he talks about perhaps a way to justify it, and the Archus Chaim has a whole 
discussion on this. So Ayn Shum, if you want a little bit more, but basically um, he says that it's a well-known thing that Avas Olam, that bracha, is berachas mitzvos for Kriyashma, which again, it's a big machogus for Shonim. But anyway, um, so the question becomes, um, how could a person ever say the words even if they're davening by themselves, um, or at any time when you are interrupting um, the bracha that you just made on Shema? Now, there's many, many different attempts of answers here, but um, he brings down that there's a medrash in Medrash Yomadu, or Yomadena, uh, which the medrash from this medrash we actually don't have, um, but um, it's oftentimes quoted in Medrash Shanchuma. So it says that Kriyashma should not be something light in your eyes. Um, because it has 245 um, words, um, just like the um, amount of limbs that a person has. We know the Mishnah tells us this. Um, so the question is that it actually doesn't. It's missing three words. And so um, in order to be Mashlam, this number based on this Medrash, so they would say the words Kel Melchadamon. Um, instead of answering Amen to that bracha that, that when the Chazan was saying it, they would say Kel Melchadamon. And so that was Mashlam of three. Now we know that a lot of the other Rishonim say that the Chazan, when he says Hashem Alekechem Ames, is also Mashlam of three. But either way, that's what he says the custom uh, arrived. And then he suggests something even more novel that perhaps they actually didn't even say Kel Melchadamon, but rather they said Amen to the bracha, which is again, even Machlokas, whether you answer Amen or you say it with a Chazan, different Menhagim, but that even they're saying Amen represented because Amen stands for Kel Melchadamon, so it represented three, um, three um, words. Anyway, the Avuchar Hamanelos Kriyashma has a discussion about this as well. But it's just a fascinating Ramban where he deals with something that is well known and uh, something that bothered him from when he was a child. Other Rishonim have uh, different approaches, and um, one of the themes that you'll find in a lot of Rishonim is that um, oftentimes, especially where you have the family of uh, Ramban, Rashba, Ritva, who were all Rebbe Talmud. Um, there's a tremendous congruency of some of the things that they talked about. Hushar Amban, Masechus Prochus is very, very short. Um, there are many other Masechus where he um, is much longer, or we have more, but Prochus, uh, it's, it's very short. Um, in the eighth parak, he talks about the Berchus Ha'or that we make um, for Havdalah, and um, he says that it is not Berchus Ha'nenin, which is a whole fascinating thing. Um, but then he brings down a very interesting thing that some of the Rishonim talk about, which is that technically, why does one not make Birchas Ha'ar every night? Meaning that just like we make it when we make Havdalah, but why don't we make it every night? Because if it was, um, if it was something that was Birchas Ha'nenin, then it's, we certainly should make it every night. But anyway, it's not so simple because, um, the Rishonim grapple with this question, and they say different shots, and one of them is based on the Gemara and Pesachim, that we're commemorating the time that Adam recognized that the world, in fact, was not coming to an end, but um, rather uh, there was something called night, because we know that he was created on Friday, and he sinned on Friday, but Hashem didn't take away the Araganas um, until after Shabbos. That's why he said, Mizmar Shalim Shabbos, he thought he was forgiven, he was happy to have Shabbos come, and then finally he left. So he had the uh, Araganas that he used from the time he was created in the 12th hour uh, through Shabbos Kodesh, so 36 hours total. Um, but anyway, so uh, since we're constantly using the light, uh, says the Ramban, they weren't misogyny to make it the bracha, except on Shabbos when we stop actively lighting things, so then uh, at the end of Shabbos we 
um, make a bracha. There's a whole famous discussion the other Rishonim have regarding um, the Nair after Yom Kippur, but I'm not going to go into that right now. All right, I'm going to share a couple of quick ideas from the Shittim Kubetzas, and again, he's a late, late Rishon or Betzal Ashkenazi, lived in the uh, late 1400s, early 1500s. He was a famous Rebbe of the Arizal um, in Mitzrayim, and supposedly the Arizal wrote Meseches Vachim's um, Shittim Kubetzas. Uh, the Shita on Brachos is very, very short. Many other Meseches, he's more famous for his lengthy um, Shatim, but in Brachos he's pretty short, and he also mostly quotes the Rivid and a lot of his own Chidushim, as opposed to other areas where he quotes many, many other Rishonim. One of the first questions that he asks is just a fascinating semantics of just looking at a Mishnah and understanding Not just this one, but any time they've said it, they always really give us Tol Chatzos, um, they always really give us Tol Shachar but they make us do it earlier to stay away from Avera. So he asked that there are no other places they said this. We're looking at the first Mishnah. So he says that, that that's what they mean, even though there are other places. Um, but uh, it just means that we're going to talk about it later and we'll mention those other places. He said you find the same thing with the beginning of um, Psachim, which that Mishnah has always bothered me. It says, When we said that you have to uh, watch, you have to uh, check two rows on in your wine cellar, what does that mean? And then we have Machogas Bashan Basil, what that means, the top, the outer, etc. But we never said it until this Mishnah. So the so it, 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 the, the short answer is it's kind of lob dafka. Other Rishonim say this as well, but I, I believe that there's something a lot deeper. What this means to say is that the purpose of Torah is that it should be reviewed. And uh, even though we might have put an official order, which is Machogas Rishonim actually what the order is, we, we're kind of used to saying Brachos Peya, Demai, Kalayim, Shviyas, etc. Moet, you know, there's a big machlokas exactly how what Mishnah's flow actually is even, um, but suffice it to say, I believe that there's something very deep here, which is that even on the first Mishnah, we're saying we're, we're cross-referencing something that you didn't know. Um, oh, we're cross-referencing something that you probably know already, and that is very fascinating because what we're saying is that Torah is always meant to be learned over and over again. So, okay, you didn't know it now, you'll know it next time, and next time you'll understand it deeper. And that's really what you know, I always say, and, and, and I'm sure people are going to criticize this because you can't say anything of this nature and get this type of response. But I believe the way I look at the Gemara, Gemara is a Jewish encyclopedia of law, history, hashkafa, um, and so many things. And in, in a, in a, in like any good um, encyclopedia, there's going to be lots of cross-referencing, even though you never got there yet. Because the idea is that it's used to look up things, and you have to look elsewhere. And, and, and Rashi keeps us very, very um, micro-focused on the page, and he's a great mafarish, and that's the way to start learning. Batosis is the macro. He zooms out, and he takes us throughout Shas on that exact journey. The Gemara itself does. The Gemara always is asking questions from other places. But um, it's just so important. It's part of the folkful, It's the way we have to learn. Uh, just sharing a couple of thoughts here. There's a lot of interesting things that he discusses. But anyway, on Dav Dalid, so it says that Mithiboshes was not his name, but it was Ishboshes. So it's very interesting because um, the Rishash actually has a whole kasha on this, that, that based on the Pesukim, that the Pasuk seems to say that his name was Marivbal. And the Rishash actually changes some of their Gersos, Ayn Sham, but it's interesting because he was preceded by the Shita. Apparently he didn't have him or didn't see him or whatever it is. But the Shita says exactly this idea, that his name was not Mephibosheth, it was Meir of Baal. And that's what it says in Dirayamim as well. And he was a son of Yehonatan, Meir of Baal. 
Um, and so what the Gemara is just saying is that why was he given a nickname if he boshes, and then we could learn from it. So that's a support for the Rishash's Ha'ara, and perhaps a Girsa change as well. Um, there's a fascinating thing on Daftal Adam and Bez. Kari Kriyashma Mispal, Sayyidah, the Rav Yochanan, Ezo Ben Olam Haba, Samach Gula, Shal Arvis, Tzfila, Shal Arvis. Why are, who's a Ben Olam Haba? Just because you're Samach Gula, Tzfila? Who cares? What does that mean? All right, so... Um, so some of the Rishonim, like Tosis, bring down that it's if you get the exact moment, which takes um, precision, and most people can't aren't so much Gula Latvila. Um, but the uh, Shita brings down from other Rishonim, and this is a, a very important answer. That no, no, it just means that you're so medactic to follow the halacha that you even follow this extra halacha um, to be to be Mekayim so much Gula Latvila. And perhaps to daven at Masikin, the same exact thing that it's a, that even that chumer you do. So meaning, it's not just that you could have a person that has no integrity and um, just does whatever he wants. But oh, he gets up every morning and davens at Masikin at the exact moment. That's not at all what it means. It means that he's even medactic in the smallest pratim that he's so much cool and davens Vasikin. Very very important distinction. Um, the Gemara says on Daf Yud Beis in that proximity Yud Beis and Beis. If you do something in Rabbiishbo and you're embarrassed about Mochun Law Kol of Onosav, because Busha creates um, is is Tshuva, and we know that actually it's brought down in the Svarma Kedoshim that Boshes is the word Tshuva backwards Ha Boshes, and that's really what it is. So when we're embarrassed, so that could fix things because I'm embarrassed that I did something, and that's a very very important way to fix things. Daf Tezayno Aleph it says. Um, when you're mispal berosha zayis berosha teina, so Rashi says that it's a very branchy type of things, and he's not afraid that he's going to fall. But the Rishami says a different shot, and that's because tirchosan um, meruba, because it's a, there's a lot of effort here. So what does that mean? So that means that there's a tremendous um, effort to grow um, olive trees and fig trees, and if he uh, to, sorry to go up in olive trees and fig trees. Says Ashita, and if he had to go up and down, so that would be a big hefs in Ruba. And other people say that it's because there's so many branches um, that makes it very difficult to go up, and he's going to have a lot more um, difficulty. Uh, so therefore, they allow him to read there. Um, there's a famous point of Rishonim Daf Testament Olive. It says, Why does it talk about their death as their bed? So. Um, so the sheet that brings down an interesting shot, um, the the Talmudia Rabbeinu Yonah says one shot, which is that um, they are um, can be sus and Korean Chaim, so we don't want to call them dead. So we talk about their mita, which, by the way, uh, mita the Gemara in Sanhedrin says is Khan Paran Verabin, that's Poria is a bed. So it's a place of, of productivity. And so I always have said that the pshat is, of course, there's a uh, connotation of procreation there in the bed, but there's also just in general that when a person goes to sleep, he's rejuvenating himself. So it's the mita, it's the rejuvenation of the tzaddik who always uses life properly. But the shita says a different pshat. He says that achar mitasan means lashon hatia. It means if you talk about the the um, tiltings, the windings, the the inappropriate actions of the Chacham, that's what you're getting punished for. Because they all make mistakes, but Vada Yasa Tshuva. Okay. Um, the famous Gemara in Daf Chacham Bez, it says, Vahim Diktigal Atzman Kazayas HaKabetza, how can I not favor the Jews? Because they're Medakti for Kazayas and Kabetza. So the Shita adds uh, important words, because it's a Kasha. What does that mean? What's the Halacha? Which one is it? So he says, Ad Kazayas for Durabanan, and Ad Kabetza for Doraisa. It's a very interesting Ha'ara. Um, all right, so we have that. There's a famous Gemara that uh, beginning of Tefillah Sashachar, that says the Avos were Masaka in Tefillah, 
Um, and the uh, Rabbanan made it on the Karbanos. So there's a famous kasha, the Rambam brings down Hilchus Tefillah and Karbanos, both these reasons, that the, that the Rabbanan were Masa- that the Avos were Masakin, and also Karbanos. But it seems but it seems to be a contradiction. It's about Hilchus the Gemara. So which one is it? So again, he says the same thing here, same answer that many of the Farshim use. Vaday Avos Tiknam, the Avos of course did it. But that wouldn't be Machai of us to do it. it was before Maimon or Sinai. The Rabbanan came and they made it uh, they were semi-chit on the Karbanos. There's a shot, Talmud Shel Shachar, Talmud Shel Ben Arbayim, and we, we know that Marv is a Rishus, um, which the Rif later made a Chova based on the Gemara, etc. And just to follow up the theme on Daf Lamed Hayim and Aleph, the Gemara says, Ketzad Mavarchen, so how, what, how do you make the brachas that were already mentioned? So the implication is Ketzad means that it was already talked about. So again, just like the first shtickle we started off with the shita where he wants to figure out why are we referencing things that happened in the past. So this one he actually says there are two references. One of them is that in the first parak it says, Lachtom, in Shai Lachtom, and that's Birchus Peros. And so we already talked about making brachas. Of course, it was totally Derek Agav, but we talked about it earlier. And the second shot is that it said earlier in the Gemara that Asr Lahanam and Aholam Haza believe bracha. And so now we are talking about Ketz and Varchim. So let's define the brachas and how we make them. So again, that's kind of Lashitasa trying to explain uh, what we're going back on. Um, this is why it's just so important to look up things when you have questions. So the Gemara in Dafman Chesim says that Moshe was Masaki in the first bracha when the man came down, <coughs> Yeshua was Masaki in Berchus Aretz, David Shlomo, Boni Yerushalayim. But my question was, when I look at the text of Boni Yerushalayim, it's very strange because if David and Shlomo were Masaki in Ubenei Yerushalayim, it's a prayer. We're, at, we're begging Hashem to please build it. So what does that mean? So I always thought that the shot was just that that was a text that, that David and Shlomo wrote, and maybe maybe David wrote Ubenei, Uvene, he, he was davening because he didn't get to build anything except for the foundation. And Shlomo just kept it because it's a longing of keeping it keeping it alive. And that, that's what I just kind of thought. But the sheet that brings down that, no, the Nusach is actually different. Then it was keep the Beis Amidosh standing and keep the Malchus standing and keep Shalva Sa'arat standing. But now that it was that it was destroyed, so now we're Mavakish on that, which makes a lot of sense. But it's just, you know, when you look around at the Rishonim, you can learn a lot. Uh, you know, the Gemara is just very deep, and there's a lot There's a lot to discuss. Finally, the last shtickle for this one is on Daf uh, Samach Gimel, that the Gemara says that um, that his um, Oved Edom, where the um, Aaron was being stored, so he was blessed that he they gave birth to Shisha B'Karasechad, so Shmona um, Kalaseh gave birth to six in one shot. So he has a whole question here that that how could if David David was told that Hashem blessed them, base Oved was blessed, but he was only there for three months. So where was the blessing? So Yerushalmi says that um, it's a it's an interesting Yerushalmi that they gave birth every fifteen days. So um, and 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 then they would get pregnant again. So in these three months, which is Zman Hakaris Uber, they had given birth to um, to. Uh, six people, and that's Shisha B'Karasechad. But anyway, Ayin Shem, the point is that there are many other ways to answer it. It could be that he was told later. Um, but the point is that he's reading that Gemara as Davka, that everyone literally, and there's a chus of, of being a Chsanyish Torah, or of the Aaron of Hashem, they were each blessed with the, with six children. Anyway, we should be zilchit to learn many things from all the Rishonim and to be inspired in our learning. I want to move on and share some Ha'aras from the Rashba when we Learn the Rishonim, the Sigi has literally become alive, and there's just so much more relevancy and understanding of everything that we learn. I, and, and there's just, there's no end to what's here. Remember, 
um, when the when the uh, Beis Yosef wrote the Shulchan Aruch, so his guide was to follow the Rambam, and it's well known that many of the Lashonos he uses is from the Rambam, and the Rambam's Lashonos are just so powerful and so so important. Um, and of course, to look at the Rush and the Rif, and between those three, Amudei Hora, that was a Psak. However, the Ramah came and said that those were uh, the Sephardi customs, and of course, many of them we agree with, but the Ashkenazi customs include the Rashba, and the Ramban, and the Ritva, and, and the and other Rishonim. And so a lot of the Machlokas is between the Shulchan Aruch, the Sephardi custom, the Beit Yosef, and the Ramah, the uh, Ramosh Israelis, the uh, Polish and uh, Lithuanian and Ashkenaz uh, customs, they are based on this. And a lot of the Rashba's uh, halachas, which is what his saver is all about, it's a lumdish saver, but it's halacha, um, they are very, very uh, important when it comes to deciding halacha for, um, for us Ashkenazim. One of the most fascinating historical parts is that we actually don't have the writings of Haigon um, on most of Shas, although fragments have been found and people have put, tried to put together. But the Rashba quotes extensively from from the Pirish of Rav Haigon. So apparently he wrote on Shas, certainly on Brachas and many other Masechtas. And um, so a lot of times he brings his Purushim. So on Gimel Bays it says there was a Kinar that used to play. And Rav Haigon actually is a very interesting Pshat, which the Pnei Yeshua has a whole thing on based on this Rashba that he quotes it. Um, but suffice it to say, David had... He says that basically, it would, what does it mean that the Kinar would let him know that it was Chatzos? It means that it had markings on it, just like a, um, just like the um, time-telling devices that were used in the olden days in antiquity. Um, they were basically time-telling devices that had lines, and where the sun landed on it, that's that's how you could tell. So it's not the simple shot that that it would that it would blow, but he seems to say that it had a simon um, on it um, that. Um, In fact, the Rav Haigun's Lushen is that there was a pengan, Evan Shalos, which means basically a sundial, and that's what it was. He has another shot the Rashba brings down, which is that they would measure out a certain amount of water, and that's how they would determine the exact time of the night. But again, my point here is just the historical part of him quoting Rav Haigun. And um, Vavim and Aleph, the Rashba actually makes note of another safer that he wrote, which is Pirsha Gadal by the Rosh, which is phenomenal pshatim. So one of the pshatim that he brings down is that on Vav Amadal, the Gemara talks about that Hashem puts on tefillin kaviyah. So what does that mean? Um, so um, the in the Pirish HaGadus, he explains that it means that the Rebbe Shalom gives us the ability to influence him, like it says, Tanu Ozel Kim, that we have power to influence Hashem, so to speak, and that's why when when people are doing the right thing, so Hashem is, is happy and he's connecting with us. But when people are not, so Hashem says, the Gemara Sanhedrin says, Hashem says, Kelani Meiroshi, Kelani Mizroi. My head hurts and my arm hurts, which that's a remnant to tefillin. What does that mean? That means that, that the Rebbe Shalom wants to connect with us. But when we are not doing the right thing, then we're disconnecting from Hashem. And obviously the Rashba writes, this is a Kabbalistic Gemara. It doesn't mean Hashem has any physical attributes or puts on physical uh, tefillin. You could see there from more details, the, the Rashba actually in Brachos says that there's a sod here, and Hashem should, and uh, the truth is that his Agadah uh, Shas, he explains actually what the answer is. There's a couple of problems with Rav Haigon's Pshat. He doesn't like the Lush and the Gemara. That's not Madiak, according to Rav Haigon, but according to his Pshat that he explains in the Agadah, Pirish Agadah, it actually answers all, all those questions. But anyway, Rav Haigon was also someone that studied Kabbalah, 
Um, we know he, we have chuvas from him about this, the uh, ten spheres, etc. The Gemara and Daf Yudaman talks about how we begin with Ashrei and we end with Ashrei, and he Rashi brings down from Tosis that it's Lav Dafka that it starts with Ashrei and ends with Ashrei, but it just means that if it starts the same way, um, and it ends the same way, and um, that's a uh, that's a good sign. And says the Rashi, the Rashi comments that Mikan Samchul Chacham and Barofa Brachos Lasas Chasimasan Meimpsichasan that so too this is exactly where Chazal got this idea that just like in Tanakh we find that some Pesukim can begin and end the same way. So in Brachos, if we whenever a Bracha has a Bracha Hashem at the end, an, an extra Bracha Hashem at the end of the Bracha, long Bracha Rucha, according to some Rishonim, uh, that's what it's called. Um, so then you would um, you would say a Psicha Meim that would be the same. Moving on to Daf Yud Aleph and Aleph, there's a very famous Gemara that says that um, they said to a man, your beard is very long, so he said, so what does that mean? So there's different Pshatim Rashi and other ones, so the Rashi brings down that um, that the Pshat is, the reason I have such a long beard is to show that you should have one, and that not like Rashi says, like, I should cut it off now that you said that. But the Rashba says the shot is that I grow it long in order to show people, because of the people, it fights against those that try to cut it short. On Daf Yudah Alpham um Rashi brings down, um, actually, the Talmudic Rashi bring down that um, when a person would get up in the morning, he would uh, begin his day by teaching. Uh, to, to read in the Torah. So Rashi uh, would get up to, to learn. He would make Berchus uh, Torah then. And we would go to the basic Knesset, he would say it again. Um, and he explained that when someone goes, gets an Aliyah, he also says the Berchus Torah. And it's not a Brachal Watala, even if he say, said it earlier. But uh, Tosa says that we, this is not what we do. You, once you make the Brachal once, it's the, that's the final time. And Ayin Shem and the Rosh, which is basically how we poskin that we don't repeat Berchus Torah twice; we say it once a day. But it's just interesting that you know Rashi, who's Rabban Shal Yisrael, um, we don't follow his sheet on that. Um, there's an interesting Rosh that I heard a lot of people talking about uh, this year in the Daf Yomi cycle and Daf Yud Zion. Uh, it says Ein Koren Shlosha that we only call three people Avos Avur Mitzvah and Yaakov, and the Ravid says that it means that you shouldn't daven and say Misha Ana. Ruvain Avinu or Shimon Avinu, um, but says the Ravid. The simple reading is that you're not allowed to say that, right? The Ravid says, but if you did, it's not the end of the world. It's not a chova. It just it just means that our our chiyav is to honor uh, Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov. Um, but our but um, you don't have to say Ruvain or Shimon Avinu. And the Rashba argues that vehemently and says that's not what the Gemara says. The Gemara says that you're not inkar and lavos. That's not appropriate. Uh, the Rivet is also one of the Rishonim that the, the Rashba brings down very, very frequently. Um, not as frequently as Rav Haigon in Brachos, but pretty frequently. Um, what's very fascinating about the Rivet as well, there, there was a number of them, and so you have to know which one we're talking about even. There's about three famous ones, like the Chida brings down. But anyway, this seems to be the same one that's the Balasagas, although I'm not 100% sure. But what's interesting is that you, what you'll find is that many of the things that the Ravid argues with Brahmo about are Lashitasam, and, and it's literally, you know, congruent. Whether it's how do you count a mitzvah as a lav shabachalos, counted or not, and then they'll always have that same argument every time the Rambam says that it is counted, and the and the Ravid holds that it's not. But uh, there's a lot of the shitas that you show them are Lashitasam, 
um, literally like a chessboard, the way everything falls into place. And it's just really fascinating to watch that. There's a very important, and not necessarily halacha lemaisa, but there's a very important Rashman daf lamet alfamabes that comes up in halacha that um, we talk about the halachas of tefila, and um, Chana was sitting and davening. She was standing before Hashem. Uh, you're not allowed to sit within Dalad Amos with someone davening Shimon Esrei. And the Geonim Zal that the Rashba quotes down, which is brought down in the Kolbo, B'Shem the Yerushalmi. However, this Kolbo quotes a Yerushalmi that, unfortunately, many Yerushalmis were lost. In fact, the entire Seder Kachim is lost, basically. Um, we don't have any of that. But um, anyway, and the Ravia seems to bring this down as well. But anyway, we don't have this Yerushalmi, but they bring down the only time you're not allowed to sit in front of someone who's davening Shimon Esrei, is if you're sitting with Domim and you're quiet, you're doing nothing. But if you're da- if you're davening as well, or you're reading Shema, which some Rishonim bring that down, by the way, is saying if you're learning, but certainly if you're davening, then uh, you're allowed to. Um, and the Rashi himself says that Shemati Shekach Omer Yerushalmi, although again, we don't have that gear in our Yerushalmi. But anyway, this is a very, very important thing because this idea of not going within Dalad Amos of someone that's davening, the truth is that the Rashi's Shita um, and, and it seems to be the halacha that he's poskening is that uh, one is allowed to sit as long as he is uh, learning, or, or one, as long as he is davening. Clearly, that's what they say. Um, obviously, you should ask your local Orthodox rabbi if that's reliable for halacha lamaisa. There's also another factor to keep in mind, which is if you sit down, you could be distracting someone from davening, and we should be considerate for other people as well. Again, we know the Rosh before his lamdas, and there's certainly no uh, lack of that. You know, as far as be, if you want to be a lamdan, there's definitely a lot to learn. And he's very easy to learn. Like Maral says, whoever put Tosis on the page is Asalisi and Asadin. He would have put the Rosh or the Ritva or the Ramban. These are a lot easier to learn, Rishonim, at least at first glance. Tos- what I find is that um, once you learn the other Rishonim, like especially Ramban, Rashba, Ritva, Meiri sometimes even, and then you go back to the Tosis, then it's literally, it's amazing what Tosis uh, incorporates in, in his in his tierce words and, and how frequently they quote him themselves, but they explain him. And so the background is just so much more easier to understand, by the way. So I recommend working backwards if you're doing tosis. That's just my own personal opinion. I've always said this as a Rebbe for many, many years. So when I taught, I would speak out the Rishonim and then we would go to tosis. It's just, it's so much more enlightening. So he brings down from the Rambam that on Shabbos and Yontif, um, that when you make a um, alamichia, you should be mazkir me'en kedusha sayom of Shabbos and Yantif, and uh, the Yerushalmi says this as well. However, the Rosh Papaskins, lo nagu ke we don't do this. And in fact, um, if you open up any venture, you will find that we do not paskin like the Rosh, but the Shulchan Aruch doesn't paskin, and the Ramah doesn't even argue. And we do mention Shabbos and Yantif um, in making our Alamichia or Ala Geffen. So it's just interesting sometimes, you know, which Rishonim come down to be the Halacha, the Psak. Um, even the Rashba himself mentions many times, you know, the riff and the other good own and Paskin this way, and that is very, very important. Um, okay. There is a Machlokas Rishonim as to whether one is allowed to use bread as a spoon. So many Rishonim, like the Rush Paskin, that if you dip your bread into food, it's considered mias. Um, however, if you eat some of the bread or you're going to eat some of the bread in the future, then that's fine. But uh, there is a very strong sheet of Masechah Sofram that seems to osser it. Um, and anyway, um, we the Rashba Paskins that it's allowed, and again, most Rishonim Paskin that you're allowed to dip your bread in something. If you're not just using it as a spoon, you're going to throw it out. You're actually going to eat it because we know there's a big Indian of not doing mius, not creating um, disgust out of our bread. And finally, last R from the Rashba I want to share is 
uh, found at the beginning of Parakaroa, Daf Nadalad and Aleph, where he talks about the brachas that we make. So one of them is the nace that ta- takes place um, for someone, if you, someone was saved. So the Gemara says that it's for you and your children. So the Rashba says that that just means kol yotzei everyone that came out of you, all your generations, if there's a nace that saved you, so it should be spread. And this makes sense. Because just like Purim and Hanukkah, excuse me, we uh, celebrate, you know, eternal joy of Hashem saving us, so we want to celebrate that and share that with our children as well. And um, what about in that, do we do it in that place where the nace was made? And uh, the, the Rosh says, yes, uh, it should be in that place specifically. And um, although the other, other Rishonim will see from the Ritva that actually argue with that, it doesn't have to be Daf that place. But the Ravid says, the Rosh brings out the Ravid, that all these brachas that we make in the end of Parakaroa, um, what's it called? There's no shame in Malchus because they're not brachas kavuos. And many other Rishonim argue with this and say that they are. Um, you know, we say, Baruch HaMal that's one bracha that we are very accustomed to not saying Shem HaMalchus, although it might count as Avdallah if you actually do say Shem HaMalchus. But anyway, just fascinating idea from the Rivet. Many other Rishonim argue and say that you should say the uh, Shem HaMalchus is there as, as well. You can see in the Shulchan Aruch, there was a whole discussion. Anyway, that ends the Rashba. Thank you for listening. And finally, Siyat uh, we're going to talk about the Ritva, the Talmud of the Rashba, who was the Talmud of the Ramban. So there's a tremendous amount of uh, uh, connection between those Rishonim, and uh, they often quote Tosis, and they often complement each other. If you're ever not sure how to understand a Ramban or a Rashba, you always want to look at the other people in the same exact uh, similar family. So the Ritva has a famous Yisod at the beginning of the Gemara, of the the Gemara says that So the Gemara asks, why don't we just say So it's coming to teach us a specific law that Herav Shemesh is not Ma'akev. So the Ritva and many other Rishonim asks that why do I need to be taught that that um, halacha that uh, the Kapara is not Ma'akev? It's a Mephorish Mishnah Nagan, um, which says explicitly that um, even if he went to the Mikvah, if he didn't bring his um, he went to the mikvah already, but he didn't bring his uh, kapara, his carbon, so uh, he could still eat kachim. So the ritva says in Echanami, it's it's a orcha de tana bahachi. It's a common thing for the tana to teach us something, um, just to teach us a little diak, and just to bring out another point. Um, and it's, he's not bothered by the fact that he doesn't try to explain that it's trying to add anything to that mishnah. And again, this is a big yisod that since so much of um, shas is connected to one another. So it's just really interesting to note how Chazal keep us on our feet sometimes by quoting, by tying in different Gemaras and teaching us different laws. There's so many different R's from the Ritva. I want to just skip around a little bit. The Gemara Dav Vav and Bez, sorry, Vav Ham and Bez says that um, if you put your bed between the north and the south and the Durham, you'll have children who are males. So uh, the Ritva brings down from the Talmud Rabbeinu Yonah. The reason is because the Shulchan in the base of Migdash in the Mishkan was in the north, and the menorah was in the south. And the Shulchan is connected to Osher, and the menorah is connected to Torah. But says the Ritva, I don't understand. It doesn't answer anything. So he says that the Pshat is that that when a person would do that, it would remind him that he would daven, uh, that he would daven to Hashem that his children should be Roy, and that that is part of the, that's what's going on, that a person should daven at that time when he's uh, together with his spouse uh, to be able to create children Bikdusha Vatara. Um, or another shot he says is that he's, he'll be Makadish himself, and again, 
um, that is a very, very big part of uh, creating holiness for our children at that time, like the Garrison Ramban, which he does not quote, but I'm, I'm certain that he was probably familiar with it. Um, on Davov Manalov, it talks about how Hashem puts on tefillin, and he quotes, like just like the Rashba, his Rebbe, quotes from Haigon, what does this mean? And um, I and Shem on the Ritva, there's some important things over there which are um, very fascinating to explain on what, what that Gemara means. And he takes it out of the simple shot that maybe what Moshe saw uh, exactly. I and Shem, I, I don't fully understand it, but there's something very important there uh, to understand. The Gemara on Daf Tess, sorry, Daf Ches, says that a person should be Moshlem, his Parshas Matzibor. And um, the Ritva brings down that there are some people that are knowing that they, every single day, from the day of the week, they uh, read a little part of the Aliyah, and they finish it on Shabbos. And this is a very well-known minog, and Talmudia Rabbeinu Yonah quote such an idea as well. Um, there's many other things. The, for example, the Gemara and Daf Yudon Beis says that a person should not eat and drink before davening. Um, and this is only after his Montfila starts. For example, if you're getting up before his Montfila to eat on a fast morning, that's fine. And the Ritva brings down that um, this is a asmach to Ba'alma. How could there be a, a, a gzeris akasav, ozi yishlata acheri gevecha, how could there be a gzeris akasav teaching us something when the entire tefillah itself is Darabon? Now this is Lashitaso, like many of the, um, the Rishonim hold that um, tefillah is Darabon, and, um, and Rabbeinu Yonah adds even more of it, even if you hold it to Oraisa, still this Pusik certainly is not a Oraisa. Um, of Osi Hashlachta Achrayacha, you're putting me, God, after your own body, after, and that's haughty. The Ritva explains very interesting thing on Dafya Bays um, that when it talks about that when a person davens Shwan uh, Esri, so he bows. So he um, bows when he says Baruch and he stands up straight when he says Hashem. What does that mean? Because says the Ritva, when you bow, that shows you a fear. That's your fear of God because you're bowing to him. But when you stand up straight, that means that you have bitachon, you rely on Hashem because now you're standing up straight. So what does that mean? That means that a person who fears Hashem properly, he's the person that has bitachon because now if you fear Hashem, then you have the belief in him that he will take care of all your needs. And that's tremendously so for davening that we are bowing to Hashem humbly and with fear but then we are recognizing that we have bitachon, we have full reliance on Hashem. He will take care of us and give us everything that we need. And the Gemara on Daf Yerchesim Abayz talks about the uh, poor woman who buried her daughter in a disrespectful um, manner, that she was in a machzela shalkanim, which was just a very simple read. And the Ritva says a very interesting shot that why was this considered an insult? She's dead. Who cares? So he says that the that exactly what your what a person's body is dressed in at death. Um, that is how the neshama appears in some form, which definitely needs to be um, um, understood. And he says also, this whole Gemara talks about um, judgment here is according to the Mount Armor that holds that everybody is judged on Rosh Hashanah. The Gemara in Brachos Daf Chav Zayin talks about um, a person should not walk in front of someone that's davening Shimon Esrei, um, and we're not allowed to walk in front of that person. And the Ritva says his his shita, which is dafka, can I get in front of their face? But but see, it's not a big deal. 
um, the uh, Meiri has a different shot. The Meiri says that that if you hold it, it's usher to walk behind. It's because, this is what he says, it's not because of any spiritual thing. It's because when someone's davening, he's talking to Hashem privately. And if you were to go within his daladamus in any direction, you would be violating his private space because he's talking to Hashem privately. And that's why you, you shouldn't stand there. But here, the Ritva seems to be learning that it's an interruption when he sees us in front of him, but not on the side. It's very interesting because you have to ask yourself, what does on the side mean? Because we know that peripheral vision actually is one of the most confusing, is one of the most startling things for us because we, our bodies are trained actually to notice peripheral things that are coming to attack from the side because that's how a lot of people got, got attacked and the body is actually very defensive against peripheral things. So it very well could be that, and, and again, some of the Rishonim and, and certainly the Achoranim talk about that what does Mali Enav mean? Does it mean just looking straight ahead but not a drop to the left and a drop to the right? Lachor, it means certainly, you know, in the peripheral vision of, of a drop to the left and a drop to the right, but then let's Dadan would mean totally on the side, which that we kind of have a blind spot on that side, so then that would not be um, interrupting the person who's davening. When the Mishnah talks about the t- prayer on Dav Chavtes of Nechunia ben Akana, so there's a famous Rambam in Pirish Mishnayis, and this is brought down by the Rav there also, but he says that it's a chova, that Kishim, uh, when you go into the Beis Knesset, what does he daven? He would say he would say this tefillah. And so the Rambam learns that it's a chova to say that tefillah. But the Ritva says, Mefurish, that Harishus Biyado, if you want to give this tefillah, then you could give this tefillah before you daven, but you certainly do not have to um, say a tefillah when you leave and a tefillah when you, when you exit. But this is not like the um, Rambam and the Rav. And again, the Minag is that a lot of people do say a tefillah before they, before they learn that we shouldn't be Echshal, there, we shouldn't make a mistake, and people shouldn't laugh at us, and we shouldn't hurt anybody. And it's a chashiv thing. If you look at it, it's a beautiful tefillah. Kedaida, at least look at on Daf Lamed Aleph Mabez, there's a story that Shmuel was more halacha of Nei Eli, his Rebbe, and he was Chayav Misa. So the Ritva asked that this, how could Shmuel, if according to the simple chronological explanation of the Gemara and Psukim, it seems to be that Shmuel was around three years old at the time, and how could he be Chayav Misa? He's not a Bar Unchim. So the Marsha actually asked this Kasha also. Now, again, this is, you know, hundreds of years after the, um, after the Ritva. But he explains, the Marsha gives an answer that just like Erva Onan were punished because even though they were Katanim, but they were punished based on their Das and Seichel, so to here their uh, Shmuel's Das was very, very strong, and so therefore he was held accountable by God because Hashem is one that decides. The Slach has other Pshatim and the Balitosis and Tur al also a Pshatim, but on, on Erva Onan. But um, the uh, Ritva gives a different answer, which is basically he says that this story actually happened much later when he was a Bar Onshim already, but that it is just hinted to in the Psukim, and, and it's just an asmachta to remind us of the story, but the story actually happened while he was a Bar Onish. And Daf Lama Dalaman Bey is a fascinating Ritva, and it's, this is found in Rosh Hashanah also. You'll see exactly why it's in Masechah's Rosh Hashanah. It's very relevant to Rosh Hashanah. The Gemara talks about that a, uh, a king, when he bows once in Davani Shwan Esra, he should just stay on the floor, according to one Shita. And so it says the Ritva, a very fascinating thing. This is why the Gemara um, in Rosh Hashanah, Daf Yerushalmi in Rosh Hashanah, Pe'alf, Perak Aleph, Falacha Gimel, says that a Melech is judged every day, and therefore he should be Nichna and Kafuf because he's always being judged. And says the Ritva, that's why some people are knowing that they bow at every bracha on Rosh Hashanah, because it's a Yom din for everyone. And um, says the Ritva, however, that since this is not said in our Shas, our Bavli, which came after the Yerushalmi and Paskins for us, so um, therefore we just satisfy it by bowing for Malchus, Sarkonos, and Shofaros, which are the Ikrachi of the Yom, but not for every bracha. But we see that this actually comes down at the Shulchan Aruch. There are some Shitas, um, and some posts can be safe, that person, and there are some customs that they used to have where people would bow for every single bracha. And again, we see it based on this Gemara that says that the Melech bows 
um, once and just stays on the floor. Rashi seems to say a different shot, which is that he needs to be machnia himself more before Hashem, which definitely makes a lot of sense as well. Um, but again, there are some people that stand the whole Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, and again, the hachna is definitely something that um, is a big uh, help for our din, uh, nava, and standing in front of Hashem, admitting that we have to be better people and that we would like to be better people is certainly uh, some, a way to be mezakah, but din. It's interesting because when we talk about the bracha of... Um, the Me'ain Shalosh Bracha Daf Mem Daladam and Aleph. So the Ritzvah brings down from the Yushalmi that says you have to mention Me'ain Hama'ora. For example, if it's Shabbos, you should say um, Yom Shabbos and Yantif and Rosh Chodesh. Um, but, the, but the Bavli never says it, but says the Ritzvah, he points out that people are knowing to actually do this, which we do. And if you look at any bencher for Alamichia or um, Alaitz, etc., Al-Gefen, you will see that it has Shabbos and Yantif in there. Very interesting discussion, and we'll talk about this at the end also, that the Ritzvah actually has a whole safer. Um, outside of his his Chidushim uh, on Shas, where he talks about Hilchas Brachas, which is fascinating. Bezer Shem will get there shortly. So in Daf Mem Vav, um, he talks about different Brachas that are long and short, and some Brachas we know um, start with Brachas Hashem Akhlam Borei Mizonos. So there's only a uh, opening, but it doesn't but it doesn't have a um, Baruch at the at the end Baruch Olamim or another blessing. Um, some of them actually, um, for example, Birchas Amazon. Where we start with Baruch Hashem, Hashem, it starts the bracha, and then we say Baruch Hashem um, at, at the end of the bracha. We have another bracha at the end, Azan es Kol, right? No delicha. So um, he says that in in uh, Shavu brachas there's Asher Yatsar, and that one starts with the bracha and it ends with the bracha. Why is that? Even though it's a smucha lechaverta, so it shouldn't begin like that, and it shouldn't have to end with an extra bracha because it has a bracha before it and after it. So he says over there, and that's a special remez because we want to hint to Zachar Nekeva, which were two Yitzirus. So what does that mean? You can look at the Ritva and say your own pshat. I believe nearly the pshat is that that one of the most fundamental things of marriage is to recognize the uh, working together, but also the differentiation. So it says, Elokim Moshe Vichidim Besa. Hashem sets individuals in a house. So there's a lot of different yesodas in that pasuk, but one of the two are Yechidim. There's two individuals that come together, and the individuality is part of the healthiness of the relationship, that each person is their own Yechida, their own individual person. But it's Besa. They come together with a united Ruchnias and a united goals in life. And so that's Asher Yatzar. There needs to be a two, two Yitzirah. So it's worth saying an extra Shem Hashem just to get an extra Yitzirah in there because that is the so that we have to learn that there's a differentiation, that there's two individuals that have unique individual kochas and individual needs. And that is one of the most important foundations of a healthy marriage. On Daf Nun Aleph, Amid Aleph, the Gemara tells us that uh, many different requirements for a kosher bracha. One of them is that it has to be poured chai. Live. So, with one simple shot is from Rashi. That means that you should pour it into the cup while it's undiluted, and then add water later to make it diluted. But there's another shot that the Ritva brings down, uh, and Tosis brings this down as well, and the Rosh. But all the a lot of the other Rishonim say this, which is high means that the kli itself should be um, whole, and that the kli should not be dented or damaged, and it's considered a respectful thing. Um, Fascinating, nuanced comment um, on Daf Nun Gimel. The Gemara talks about, sorry, Nun Beis and Beis, um, that Ma'ar and Ma'ari Ha'esh, the bracha we make on Havdalah, so why, why is it Ma'ari Ha'esh, why is it said plural, the the colors of, well, I'm, I'm, I'm already translating according to Rashi, Ma'ari, the colors of the fire. Rashi says over there that fire is Yeroka, green, Lavana, uh, white, and Shechorah, black, Vadam Damas, and red. And by the way, if you look at the Ramchal, you look at other Rishonim, um, also, you'll find a lot of Ramazim over here to Kabbalistic ideas that um, Yarok is green, it's Teferis, and Lovin is white, 
uh, which is chesed and shechora and damdamas are red, are din, etc. And um, lavan is white, which is the uh, antagonist of Yaakov. And also Edom is red. They fight against Yaakov, and Yaakov is green. Ayin Shem of the Ramchal, he explains this a lot more. But the Ravid says a different shot. The Ravid said that it's Ma'oria Ish because fire itself has many, many different things it, that it could accomplish. It could provide light, it could provide heat, it could provide um, cooking f- of food. And that is what it is. And this, and the Ravid says that it's specifically important because Ma'oria Ish means you have to only make fire, you can only make a bracha on fire that is made for useful things, but not the shame covered, which is that's not a that's not a flame that you're allowed to make a bracha on, like the Mishnah there says, if it's lit for a mace or other reasons, but it has to be a useful one. So according to the Rivet, it makes more sense why it's called that, based on the fact that it's showing that you can only make a bracha on the uses of the fire, but not just the covered where you're not using the fire itself. Fascinating idea from the Rivet. wonder what Rashi would say to that. There's a very interesting and curious Ritva on Daphne Dalad, if it says that when Yisro came, he made a bracha, baruchata, on a nace, but the Ritva says, but Yisro didn't see the makama nace, that was the base of, that was in the, uh, sorry, inside the uh, Yamsa, where the Jews were saved, or he, he didn't see the makama nace. But, but nope, Mikol Makam says the Ritva, nonetheless, kol shiroa harabim hanitzol, and since you saw the, the masses, the people that were saved, kiroa makam hanace, tell me, then you, that is the miracle. <laughs> so he was able to make a bracha. The um, famous Machugas Rishonim of Yorde Hayam, who is obligated to make a Berchas HaGomel, famous thing. So the Ritva says that even a Chola She'embo Saikana, as long as he fell into his bed and he was sick that way, he would make a Bracha. Um, but the Aruch says, I feel even a stomachache or a headache. Imagine the Aruch lived in the 900s. He was a famous doctor and commentator and translator of Gemara. Um, so according to the Aruch, literally every time you came to shul, there would be hundreds of people or tens of people making a bracha. Oh, what's the matter? Where'd you, where'd you travel? Where, where, you get out of jail? It's a, no, nothing. I just had a headache yesterday. But you see the importance of thanking Hashem. We don't paskin like that. Aruch. But the importance of thanking Hashem for everything that happens in our life, not necessarily in a way that we're going to bench gomel every time, but um, just to think about um, that is a shidas ha'aruch um, that needs to be appreciated. Um, the... Ritva also in Daphne and Hamid Alf says that that Betzel Kale Hayisa that Moshe swi- uh, that the order was switched around and 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 uh, Betzal said that we have to create the Aron first, but the, the basic that we have to create the the house first to place it in and then then create the Aron. And so the Ritva suggests that maybe Moshe himself switched around the order just to te- test Betzal to make sure that he was on his feet, which is a fascinating idea. For the brachas of Shachianu, um on Daf Nun Tes Amud Beis, so Banabai is Chadash Kanakelim Chadashim. You say a Shachianu. Um, the Ritva says that it's only that it's Lav Dafka Chadashim. Even if you buy something that's just new for you, even if it's used, that might also apply there. It would apply there. And the um, Ritva brings down B'shem Yesh Omrim, which is the Ra'ah, his contemporary fellow Talmud of the Rashba. Uh, according to some people, it might have even been his Rebbe, but probably it was more of a contemporary. Um, and he brings down from the Ra'ah that you only make this bracha of Shekhyana when you use it, which means you don't, when you buy a new suit, you don't make a bracha. Now, again, we don't anyway because we have to get a check for shot in this, according to some. Um, so, but the Ritva says only when you use it, and the same thing with the new Kalim. But the Rivet argues, and he says as soon as you buy it or as soon as you build the house, even before you move in, then you, um, you uh, make the bracha. There's another interesting topic that the Yerushalmi says that there's a difference whether you bought it or whether it was given to you as a gift. But the Bavli does not differentiate at all. Um, and um, the only differentiation the Bavli makes is whether there's a partner with you or not. Um, and Tosis brings down that only a Dabr Chashev 
um, you make a bracha on, but not new shoes or a new um, uh, flax garment, or uh, it would be polyester garment in today's world, uh, you would not make a bracha. And again, Ramosha has a famous tshuva about this, and Rav Ruderman Zatzal had a very famous shita, which was that Americans are spoiled and they get a new suit all the time, so you don't make a shachianu on that because you're not excited. And of course, everyone should ask their rav about those halachas. My family, Minag, is to make a shachianu on a suit, and many other people I know follow this as well. Perhaps we should learn to be more grateful. But um, according to the... Uh, the, a lot of the Rishonim that Ravuderman Paskin like, and there's certainly room in the Shulchan Aruch to understand it like this as well. If there's no Simcha, then there's no Shechianu, and a lot of Shechianu halachas have to do with Simcha. We should all have a tremendous Simcha that we went through many of the Rishonim, and we should be Zoha that it teaches us the halacha and how to be better people. What I want to go through right now is a very quick thing from the Ritva, and uh, the Ritva has a very famous um, Sefer that he wrote called Seder Brachos Hanenen, uh, which is Hilchos Brachos, and Rav Yantav ben Avram Elishvili. It's funny because I grew up and I had a neighbor whose name was Eli Shvili, and I always wondered if they were relatives, but it's a beautiful name. Kaylee Shvili means Hashem is my path. Hashem is my guide in life. Anyway, um, so uh, the Ritva of Yantav ben Rav Avram, so um, he has he has many halachas that he wrote, and we don't have all of them, but we do have Hilchas Brachas. If you ever want to be very humbled um, by, um, by the... Um, by the breadth and the knowledge of the Ritva, of course, all, any of you shown him, read his introduction, just the introduction, because you will see a beautiful poem that literally ties together Shas and Poskim uh, of just beautiful, beautiful words and explanations that are just really hard to follow unless you're an Eloi. So there's many halachas that are obscure, um, but in the second parak on Oschav Gimel, he says that any suffix shall Torah sveko choser, which you might think is very obvious, because we're taught this, and we know at a suffix de Rabban and Lakula, suffix de Rais Lachumra, but he talks about the halachas of Birchus Hanenen, if you're not sure whether you made a bracha or not. So um, if, it's the, if it's the bracha that you make before you eat, which is de Rabbanan, you don't go back, but if it's a bracha afterwards, which could be Minatora, depending on which bracha it is, then you would have to bench again, um, or just to make sure that you benched. There's tremendous halachas in here. Some of them are brought down. The Chida like to quote this, and he's one of the people that validated this, that we know that it's from the Ritva. Also, a lot of the, the psukim that he gives here collaborate with uh, the six parak and brachas is psukim there. It's amazing when you look at those ten blot of Daf Lamed Hay and brachas, how many halachas uh, come from those ten blot hilchas brachas. Um, there's a fascinating aura that the Ritva says in the fourth parak Osvav. Why is it that people are knowing to smell a hadas um, as Basamim, Matzei Shabbos, but not any, why is it they, that the Jews pick that one? So there's a lot of Ramazim in Chazal, and there's a lot of Hasidish of Vertlach, but the Ritva says a very practical one, and that is because the Hadas, it doesn't, it doesn't, its its fragrance doesn't wharf through at, to a distance. You only smell it when you put your nose right on it, and so therefore it's better not to be Nana until you make the Bracha first. So the Jews have, have, have uh, emotionally chosen to do the best mitzvah possible, where they, they make the Bracha on something before being nana, and then they bring it close to their nose and they smell it. So it's immediately uh, there to give a smell, but it, it's not, they they, uh, they weren't nana from it first. So it's just a fascinating thing. Uh, you might say, what about cloves, which seems to be the minag also, the, the svardim seems to be more makbid on the hadas. Some people use both. Um, the cloves definitely are interesting because they do they do smell from a distance. So it wouldn't fulfill that part, but there just some there seems to be some minag where Kalyasrol chose that. Perhaps it was just an availability thing. I don't know. I'm curious to hear if anybody has a shot on that as to where that came from. If one shot that I did hear one time a long time ago is that there's a lot of Svekos and what brachas to make, whether you make Atse Bitsamim or Mine Bitsamim, and this one, according to many people, is Bore Mine Bitsamim, so it's the best one to make uh, it on.
the Ritva in the fifth parak Ostes says before that a cotton could be uh, who's lead uh, a mitzvah but not yet uh, uh, who's chayiv uh, and chinuch but is not yet a bar mitzvah could be mitzarif for zimon. We're not knowing to count anyone under that age, but that's what he brings down and he explains like more that it's only a curse if he's motzi you, but it's not a curse if he's part of the zimon. The Ritva talks about something that the Rush talks about as well, which is that if someone eats something that's not kosher or asr to eat, obviously it doesn't make a bracha. It's a cursed, you're cursing God out by making a bracha, and it's it's uh, not appropriate. But it says the Ritva Chiddush, which is even if you ate them beheter, someone had a medical reason they had to eat it, he still doesn't make a bracha um, if he's a cholom sukan. But it's not called nana because it's uh, it's techilaso be onus, you're forced. He doesn't have a choice to take it. Even if it's sofa baratzon, just like a woman who's ma'anis, as long as it's chilaso ba'onis, even if it's at the end baratzon, it still isn't, it, it doesn't, it's not considered baratzon, and therefore he doesn't make a bracha rishona or achrona. There's a very fascinating ritva in the sixth parak of Hilchus Brachas, Ozvav, that the three brachas of Brachas Amazon have a nusach that is based on the Torah. Why? Because the Pasuk says, So the Torah says, that you should make a bracha on that which you eat, and that's Birchas Hazan, um, that's Vyachalta, it's Hazan, the, on the nourishment that you received, and then you should make a bracha on the land, and that's why Yeshua made Birchas Aretz, right? right? And then you should be Mavarach on Yerushalayim, which is Hatov, which is the best. And that's the Hara Tova Zeb Al Vonan. And that's and that's why David and Shlomo made Birchas Boni Yushalayim. Now the base of was Kayim, by the way, I mentioned this before in other Rishonim, they would say, Umalchus base David Toshi Ena, to give strength to Malchus base David, because there wasn't Uvene, it was already built. You weren't Davening for it to be rebuilt yet, because it wasn't destroyed. I would imagine that back then you were allowed to say it with a knife on the table during the weekday, because there wasn't any uh chashash of a person getting upset because it was built. That would be an afkamina uh, trick question of, depending on just according to history, when were you allowed to bench with a knife in front of you on a weekday and a non suda mitzvah? Uh, you'll see a lot of the Talmudim of the Rashba are Kabbalists, inc- uh, most prominently, probably, and most famous. I mean, obviously, the Rashba himself was a Talmud of the Ramban, and he talks about Kabbalistic things in his Chudisha Agadis, which I hope to uh, capture that one of these days by Ezra Hashem with us. Um, but uh, most prominently was Rabbeinu Bachia of Torah, who literally, you know, revealed the secrets of the Ramban based on his Rebbe, the Rashba, and based on his Rebbe, the Rebbe, the Rashba, was the Rabbeinu Yonah. Um, but the Ritva also brings down Kabbalistic things, and he says that this Gemara, this is an, uh, parak, uh, the sixth parak Osiud, that any bracha that doesn't have Malcha Shemayim is not a bracha, and you have to say Elokeinu, Malcha Olam, and you have to say Baruch Ata Hashem. And says the Ritva, this is a big sod, Misisra Torah, that we start at Benigla and we finish at Benistar. What does that mean? That we say Baruch Blessed is he Hashem, but then Ata Hashem. Then we say Ata, you Hashem, as if we're talking to him directly. So we start with a distance of Baruch, but then we come to uh, that Baruch, he is blessed. So we're talking like as if we are not even talking to Hashem. But then Ata is we all of a sudden we switch to talking to Hashem directly. Are you Hashem? So what's the shot? It's a contradiction. So the Rashba explains um, that basically uh, Rashba is in Chalas Achuas. Uh, if you want to look it up, it's in Chela K, Simonun Beis, I believe, and Chibisha Agadis and Shastaf Mem. Um, doesn't explain the Sod really exactly, but the Shulchan Shal Arba of Bachia does explain it, and he basically says that Hashem is Ma'od Amku Machshavasecha, that ultimately we have to recognize Baruch. We are very distant from Hashem. But Atta, the Rebbe Shalom, is inviting us with a bracha to have a relationship with Him. 
And that's what brachos are all about. It's Baruch Hashem is so far from us and so um, beyond our compre- comprehension. But Ata, Hashem, we want a relationship with you and you're inviting us through this bracha and through this connection. What a beautiful, beautiful idea. In the sixth parak, Os Yudala, the Ritva says a chiddish, which is one would have to use this carefully as a posek, but basically that if you do change the nusach of the brachas a little bit, Every once in a while, by accident, it's certainly okay. It's just that one is not allowed to change it permanently. But a little mistake here and there is perfectly allowed as long as it expresses the basic idea. I don't want to get into that exactly, um, what that means. Um, but that is um, that is definitely there. There's a very fascinating one also, which is relevant for Purim. <laughs> but one should ask a Shaila if you're going to rely on this because it's not so simple and Shulchan Aruch doesn't... And and the Mishnah Brewer don't don't come out this way, but basically in Parak Vav Os Chav Gimel he says Berachas Amazon is allowed to be said while drunk. And again, this is a machlok is exactly how drunk, because the Torah says Vichalta Savata and Chazal Darshan Vesavata Zushtia. So we see clearly that there is a drinking going on. This is how he's interpreting the Yerushalmi. Um, the Rashba um, says a very similar thing, and that. But again, one should be careful when applying that dispensation of drinking. In the seventh parak, Osvav, the uh, Ritva Paskins, and there, since there's a chiv to eat um, uh, bread for all three meals on Shabbos, therefore, if you didn't mention Shabbos in benching, then you would have to repeat again. Um, we Paskin, uh, the other that if a person forgot um, to bench for Shalashetis, he would not have to repeat um, because of all the Svekas involved with whether that meal is a chova or not. But the Ritva clearly says that one would have to repeat. For the laws of Havdalah in the eighth parak, uh, Vav, the Ritva says that if a person says Abdullah in Tefillah or he says Baruch Atah Hashem, then he's allowed to do Malacha. We again are Bakel and we don't say Hashem's name most of the time. It's also because we're expecting to say um, Havdalah. We want to be Yotze with that, but um, one certainly can be Mavdil with the if he needs to, but he should use a Kos if he can because the Ritva himself in, in Os Yud Zion says that if you don't have Besamim in there, it's not Ma'akev, you don't have to run after them, but you should say Abdullah ala kos, and that's enough. And again, please be careful with these things, because there's a lot of halachas um, that uh, need to be understood. There's a famous machlokas Rishonim that most Rishonim agree on, that a nair that is inside a um, glass is considered kanira directly. Uh, that's an oschafal if he says that explicitly. And by the way, that has a lot of nafkaminas that when a person gets an aliyah, he's supposed to look at the Sefer Torah. But let's say you wear glasses, so you're looking through glass. So most of the posts can agree that you do not have to take off your glasses. And in fact, you shouldn't because then you're not able to see. And that, that is not considered a hefsik between you seeing it. So too with reading uh, Parshas Amalek and other things, when you have it out there, um, you are able to look directly and that's considered a re'iyah. Thank you so much for joining me on this amazing journey. I love to hear your comments, Aris. Uh, corrections, those are very important as well. And maybe we zoha to continue learning shots together with Ezra Sashem to learn it, to know it, to live it, and to remember it, and to make it a part of our lives and our children's lives every day.